Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our praise team. Thank our choir. Thank all of you for um, taking part in worship this morning. And I pray the Lord was honored by the time we spent together in worship. If you brought your Bibles, turn back to the book of James, James chapter 3. We've been in this book. This will be the third week we've been in this chapter. And so uh, I want to go back to it. Uh, we've had a, this is the third sermon of a three-part series intended for just one sermon, but it's developed into three-part sermon. And so we want, we want to look at James chapter 3. In the past couple of weeks, I've shared uh, part one, part two of this three-part series on taming the tongue and uh, social media. And I want us to look at this uh, as we begin today. I'm going to be sharing a sermon today on taming the tongue and social media. Uh, a case for silence. A case for silence. There's sometimes when we just don't need to say anything, type anything, text anything, reply to anything. There's times that we just need to be quiet. We want to see what God's Word says about that today. If you would look at chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. We're now the New King James Version. Verse 1, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So if you're a teacher, heads up. Very, that's a very important responsibility. For we all stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth, and that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they're so great, and they're driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member. And boast of great things. Remember, we, we learned in this that the tongue is like amoral. It's not good. It's not bad. It just sits in your mouth. But the tongue really is moved from the heart. It's from the heart. The heart expresses, or the tongue expresses what's in the heart. And so even so, the tongue, in verse 5, is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire, a forest a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a, is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it shall defile the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the, can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? A grapevine bear figs. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct 
that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So he goes straight from the tongue to something that's very important, and that's wisdom. You need to have wisdom over your tongue. He talks about two types of wisdom, one that's, that's from below, one that's from above. Notice verse 14, but if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. But it's earthy, earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing thereof. But the wisdom that is from above is pure and peaceable and gentle and willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is shown or sown in peace by those who make peace. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to worship you and now to, to allow the Holy Spirit to come to us, teach us, and Lord, to open your holy word, the inspired scriptures, the infallible word, the inerrant word, it's not just a book, it's the book, the book of all ages. It will last when heaven and earth passes away. And so help us to realize this is your words to us, your message to us. And help us not to be slack in hearing it. Help us to take it to heart and practice that our lives might continue as a believer to be sanctified, that we might become more like you in our speech in her tongue, her words. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Taming the tongue in social media. Um, let me just give you just a hurried outline, a brief introduction to the outlines we talked about, kind of bring it all together real quick. You can look on the screen, the first sermon, Taming the Tongue, social media. We found that teachers are accountable for what they said. That's chapter 3, verse 1. It's important. Only the perfect man doesn't stumble in what he says. Perfect. Who's the perfect man? Anybody in here perfect? No, I'll just answer that for you. I'm not perfect. There's only one perfect. That's Jesus. He's the only one, and we'll see that a little clearer in a minute, that hasn't stumbled with his tongue, with his words. There's only one perfect man, Jesus. And that means what? That means he's the only perfect one. That means all of us stumble from time to time with our words. Number three, the tongue is small but directs the entire body. Verse two, we talked about how it was like a bit in a horse's mouth. Real small, but it moved this gigantic beast weighing 1,200 plus pounds. Talked about a little fire, a little match perhaps. It starts a small fire, but then all of a sudden it just destroys everything in its sight. And we mentioned the Australian fires, and some of those are still going on. And how destructive that little fire is. And the bits are. The rudder, a rudder is so small compared to an a, um, aircraft carrier that's, that's longer than 10 football fields. But a little rudder guides that aircraft carrier directs that aircraft carrier, and he says, James says, that's the way the tongue is. Your tongue is small, but it directs your life. If you're not careful, it'll have power over your life. And so, you know, no one can tame the tongue. Now, we, we're trying to reconcile how we're going to tame our tongue when the Bible says we can't tame our, tame our tongue, but we discovered that everything comes from a corrupt heart, and when God changes our heart... We're able to 
change our tongue, our speech. We can sanctify our speech. That's what we talked about last week. Outline number two, we, we, I gave you 12 characteristics of a, a person been trying to sanctify their tongue. This is what they do. First, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. We talked about that. You teach God's Word. You speak of God. You speak truth. You build up others. You admonish one another. And then we sing. We have a desire to sing. As a believer, we are to express our words and thanksgiving, express our words by praying, confessing our sins, and giving hope to others while we have this hope in Christ Jesus. So uh, a changed heart will produce a different type of tongue, words. You can interchange tongue in the Bible to words, same meaning. Okay, and so we see that a sanctified tongue can, can, uh, can be, this sanctified tongue comes from a changed heart. So today, real hurriedly, we're going to look for a case of silence. Silence, a case for silence. And there are times when we need to be silent. Silent. You know, one of the hardest things for a room of people to, to be is to be silent. Just uh, have a moment of silence. Get DGD, get the moving around. It's just difficult to be silent. But there's, there's, there's not a commandment for us at any time to not use words. But I, last week I gave you those 12 characteristics. Proper, the proper way to use our tongue. Gave you a list of words in which we use as we sanctify our speech, sanctify our words, sanctify our tongue. However, when you consider your use of the Internet, consider the, when you consider the use of the Internet, consider, consider the time and the place of the appropriateness of being quiet. Being quiet. You remember what our first instinct is of a human our first instinct when we receive a text or an email or a Facebook post is to do what? It's to respond to it. Software companies, they, they feed into our innate behavior they, of people who just want to be heard. So let me encourage you. First, be silent. Jot this verse down. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 7. Notice what God's Word says. There's a time to tear, there's a time to sow, there's a time to keep silent, and there's a time to speak. There's a time for us to be quiet. And so, first of all, there's a case for being quiet in worship. In worship. We came in a few minutes ago, five minutes before the worship service began, or worship began. We had a prelude. We had a song. And I ask you to do what? Think, pray, prepare for worship. Pray for me. Pray for the choir. Pray for yourself. Pray that we'll worship in spirit and in truth. Be honest with our worship. We do that in a quiet time. Quiet time. Prior to singing, prior to praising, prior to rejoicing. Prior to worshiping God, who is worthy of our worship. So we prepare for worship. By what? By being quiet, praying, meditating, confessing, getting ready to meet God on one-on-one. Sincere, 
sincere in our worship. So there's silence prior to worship. There also should be silence as God's Word's being taught or preached. While I'm standing here preaching, while your classroom teacher is teaching, my mother always told me this. She always taught me, and my father too, it's not polite to talk when someone else is talking. If I ask you, and especially your older ones, were you taught that? Yes, we were taught that. We were taught that at home. We were taught that in school. I can remember one day we were attending church. We were living, I think, in, uh, uh, we're going to First Baptist Church, Old Hickory, Tennessee, and there was a group of youth over on one side, and they were just talking, and the preacher was preaching, and all of a sudden, he stopped. He stopped and stood there. And all of a sudden, he got real quiet. And he said this. He said, you know, my mother always taught me not to talk when someone else is talking. So I'll just wait till you finish. Oh, my goodness. It didn't take long for their conversation to end. And then he began preaching again. So there should, be, there should be silence while someone's teaching, preaching the Word of God. Not, not when they ask for interaction. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about being reverent to the one teaching and preaching the Holy Word of God. Should be silence. Why is that? To allow God to speak to you. you. God can't speak to you. He can, but He won't if you're too busy talking to somebody else. There should be silence while teaching and preaching. And they should be silence when praying. I remember when we'd walked in a room and someone was praying. You know what we did? We stopped right there. Didn't take another step. Why? They were praying. They were praying. We didn't want to interrupt. We didn't want to make no noise. Slam a door. Go out. We didn't want to do that. Why? Reverence while someone was talking to God. You know, reverence. There should be silence in prayer, and there should be silence when the invitation is given. Why is that? Because God's speaking to a person's heart about spiritual decisions. The invitation hymn's not an intermission. It's time God is speaking to the hearts of people. Should be dealing with your heart. When you begin to think the invitation's for everybody but you, you got a serious problem. When you begin to think that you don't need to hang out for the invitation, you got a serious problem. Why is that? God is working in the hearts and lives of people. The point is, participate in worship. That's what we're to do. But, remember, Ecclesiastes 3, 7, there is a time to be silent. There is a time to be silent. Number two, jot this down. Needed silence. A case for needed silence in social media. Now, the question is, why am I to be silent in social media? Why am I to do that? Now, this is, I'm going to tell you, get ready for it. This is where it gets personal. This is where it got personal with me. This is where it's going to get personal with you. Why do we need to be silent when it comes to social media? If you will, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we want to look at verse 15. Should be on the screen. Angela's doing a great job, but mark it down because you're gonna you won't go back to this one day. First Peter two fifteen, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence 
the ignorance of foolish men. Why am I to be silent in regards to social media? Here's the point. He says you need to, you need to be silent because when you do, you're going, to put to, you're going to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, ignorance, now listen to this, ignorance is best when it's silent. Ignorance is best when it's silent. Thinking of myself. Who among us in here is not ignorant? I'm ignorant. I mean, I'm going to be silent when it comes to deer hunting. I don't know that much about deer hunting. So I'm, to, to keep from showing my ignorance, I'm going to be quiet about deer hunting. I'm going to be quiet about pro football, about pro basketball. I'm going to keep silent about the mechanics of a car. I don't want to speak out on those things. Why is that? Because I'm ignorant. I'm going to keep silent about many other things. Why is that? Because ignorance is best when it is silent. I had a math teacher in high school, junior, well, high school. And he had this saying. Somebody would ask a question or answer a question. He'd say this. He'd say, speak out and remove all doubt. Oh, my goodness. Let that sink in. Another saying, you know what happens when you put rocks in an empty tin can? <laughs> yeah, let that sink in. So we're to keep silent about many things, why is that? Because we don't show our ignorance. I found this, I forgot to write the name down of the guy that quoted it, and I apologize, but it's not mine, but this is what this person said, a pastor. People who have not considered their own ignorance about circumstances and people and situations are usually very verbose in expressing their opinion thereby putting on public display on social media their ignorance and their foolishness. My goodness. So remember this. When you read something on the Internet, consider three things. It might not be, or it might be incomplete. It might be inaccurate. And you don't know all the facts. So the question is, why put your foolishness and your ignorance on display for all the world to see? Proverbs 10, verse 19. Listen to this. In the multitude of words, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 11, verse 12. Turn over to the next chapter. 11, verse 12. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Proverbs 17. Verse 27 through 28. He who has knowledge 
spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive, he's considered wise. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12 through 14. The words of a wise man are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. The words of his mouth begin with foolishness, and the end of his talk is raving madness. A fool also multiplies words. No man knows what is to be. Who can tell him what will be after him? It's just, just good things to know about times to be quiet. So the point is, the point is, protect your foolishness. Protect your ignorance. It's, it's biblical to do so. So be silent in worship. Be silent to protect our own foolishness and ignorance. And third, be silent as you have opportunity to respond to the sins and the foolishness of others. Be careful not to respond to the foolishness and the sins of others. Let me give you a good example. That's Jesus. The God of the universe came to earth. He's fully God. He's fully man. He was treated terrible by the sins of those that He created. The point is, He subjected Himself to the sins of His own creation, His own creatures. And get this. Never did he respond with his mouth or with words. Matthew chapter 26. Look at that just for a moment. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 62. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? They're having a, they're having a trial with Jesus. They're asking him some questions. He said, I'll put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are Christ, the Son of God. Verse 63, but Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I'll put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are Christ, the Son of God. Verse 62, I missed that. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is this means? Uh, what... What is these, oh, these men testify against you? He wouldn't say anything. Listen to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. He who was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Silent to those that are foolish and sin against others. He opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Verse 7, as sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken and they made him a grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. We've never suffered as much as Jesus suffered. But there was no deceit found in his 
mouth. None. So the question is this, why didn't he say anything? Or why shouldn't we say anything? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse 21. 1 Peter 2, 21. For to you, or for this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. So why didn't he respond? I mean, why? Here's why. Christ didn't open. He didn't answer his accusers. He didn't open his mouth. He remained silent. Why was that? According to the Bible, to be an example to us where we will not sin with our mouth in words or tongue. That's why he opened not his. Just thinking that maybe, thinking that, that maybe we just, we just might learn to be silent. He did not revile in return. He uttered no threats. And so silence in worship, silence to protect our own foolishness and ignorance, silence when we have an opportunity to, to, to respond to the sins of others. Let me close with this. Silence in the face of conflict. Dash, I put a dash. Other people's conflict. If someone online is in conflict, do I respond? Do I keep silent? Someone has said that Proverbs 26, verse 17, if anyone, if everyone would apply this verse social media companies would go out of business. Let's look at that verse. Proverbs 26, 17. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by its ears. If you want to get a dog, I've never done this. I, I, I tried to think if I had even came close. I might have just by rubbing them the wrong direction. But if you want to get a dog riled up, we're told, and scripturally, when that dog passes by, just pull him by the ears. And when you do, you better have a quick pull away when you do that. Because you're going to get mad and you may be bitten. 2 Timothy 2.24 says this, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. So the point is this. Stay out of other people's fights. Stay out of conflict in which you're not fully informed. And stay out of conflict, conflicts which are foolish. So they're silent in worship. Silent to protect my own foolish and ignorance. Silence in responding to the sins of others. Silence in the face of conflict. And, and here's one more I've I got to mention. Silent when there's a need for teaching. Now, there's a need for silence when there's a need to teach, and you're not prepared to teach. If you're not prepared to teach, if I'm not prepared to preach, there's a need to be silent. Some, some see social media as a platform to teach 
to speak the Word of God, to preach the gospel, to admonish, to offer truth. And let me say this, all of this is noble. There's, there may be a noble reason behind it. But the question is, in using social media to preach, to share, to admonish, have you not placed yourself in the form of a teacher? Yes. So, if that be the case, remember James chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive stricter judgment. So, unbeknown to a lot, suddenly, with the information they give out, quickly, they become a teacher. And you may not want to go there, if that's the case. So, the point, be careful if you think that you're a teacher on social media, because some of us need to be silent. You know it takes hours to prepare a lesson? Sunday school lesson. Do you know it takes hours to prepare a sermon? Yeah. To prepare discipleship, training, time. to It takes hours to do that. A teacher must rightly divide the word of truth. The word of truth is your content, but also must give proper administration or proper presentation. You've got to divide the truth. I'm talking about teaching now and teaching on social media. You've got to be able to properly divide the truth, give time to that, and then give time to the presentation where they can apply God's Word to their life. And, and, and that's no different on the Internet. Normally, here's what happens. All of a sudden, we receive something on social media. We think about it about 30 seconds. We find a Bible verse, and we push send. And there's no conscience concern for the content, what's being said, nor is there any concern on the presentation. Are they even going to understand what I'm saying? The point is, that's real dangerous according to James 3, verse 1. So the point, stop and consider content, presentation, and if you justify your involvement in preaching and teaching the Word of God online, make sure you studied the content and the presentation where they'll understand it. Correcting people, correcting the culture, whatever is intended, if you feel like you have to do that, Make sure you control your tongue. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying if you choose to do it, remember James 3, verse 1, with content and presentation. So I pray as we think about social media and what we've talked about for three weeks, we need to allow our tongue to be sanctified and use it the way that God wants us to use it in a public place, but then online, whatever form of social media, to honor and bring glory to Him, and not reproach against Him, the church, to believers, but in a way that will be honoring to the Lord. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for an opportunity we've had to come and just focus on social media our tongue, the importance, the control of our tongue, knowing that tongue, words are the same thing. 
Help us to control our words. Help us to control, Lord, um, uh, our mouth. Lord, when we're approaching people in general, especially when we go to social media, thank you for what you're going to do. Help us to take this to heart. And Lord, help me, help me, I pray, O oh Lord. How, I, how I've learned so much in all of this when it comes to the tongue. And so I pray that you would help me to be wise, Lord, uh, before I respond, to make sure I'm well prepared uh, in the content and in the presentation. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray for each person here, and especially those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior. May they use their tongue today, ask you to forgive their sins and to come into their life and save them. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. Other decisions that need to be made, Lord. Uh, maybe someone's here and they've, they've been saved and they need to come for baptism. Maybe they're here today and they need to unite with this church and serve here. Maybe they need to come just in a recommitment, rededication of life. I don't know. But speak to hearts. This is your invitation, and we extend it on your behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website, 